It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Hey, good to have you along for the ride tonight. The Bruins lead the Ducks 2-0 early in the third, also early in the third. Toronto up 4-0 on Florida. Flyers lead the Predators 2-1. Wild and Penguins tied 1-1. Blue Jackets with a 2-1 edge on the Devils. After 2, it's Detroit 2, Carolina 1. First period, Blackhawks up 1-0 on the Stars. Canadians and Coyotes just getting underway, as are the Lightning and the Flames. Three more games later on tonight. The Oilers back at practice today. Yessi Puglia-Yarvi, Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. The Oilers' top line. Dreisaitl now between Reeder and Chason. Oilers and Lightning on 6.30, Ched, on Saturday. 6.30 face-off show, and the game will start at 8. And this is exciting. It's looking ahead a little bit. I can now promo our first Edmonton Eskimos broadcast of the 2019 season. Sunday, May 26th, 2 o'clock kickoff preseason game against the BC Lions. The uh, CFL putting out the entire 2019 schedule today. And Alan Watt is the Eskimos Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Alan, welcome back to the show. You're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How about you? I am doing great. It is uh, awesome to have you on the show. It's uh, the, the schedule time is always a fun time because everybody's undefeated, and you can start uh, season ticket holders and people interested can start planning out what they're going to be doing on those uh, game. And this is now a, it used to be a February thing, but the CFLs really tried to get this done in December, successfully get it done in December the last two years. I think it's a good idea, and I think our fans and, of course, people in the media, people in the communications business would say the same thing. You know, the the uh, sooner you get it out or the sooner you get it out around uh, this time of the year, it kind of clears the track for people making their plans in and around renewals and, uh, you know, mini packs and other things, kids' season seats, 630 kids' season seats that we've got on the market now. So, you know, all of those things play into it. And you want to, add, and the league has promised, and the, and the uh, you know we are, uh, it, you know the league is the league is us, and us is the league, if you like. And uh, so you know if we agree to do this, then we need to work hard to get it done. And uh, I think that, that uh, as you pointed out, it's good that Randy's led the charge to have the schedule out. Uh, no later than the third week of uh, December this year and last year as well. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know from talking to you in the past and Len in the past, there are. Uh, I think one year they went up to 19 or 20 versions of the schedule before <laughs> before they finally before yeah. they it, it, I mean for for a, for a league with uh, you know not not a large number of teams and there are some set dates with the Labor Day games always happening on the on the same day it, it's still a pretty involved and, and and lengthy process. Well, it's always gets back to uh, building availabilities. Now we're lucky in Edmonton in that uh, you know we're the prime tenant at uh, the Brickfield Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders, if you go, you know, 200 miles down the road, they've got 
U of A games. They've got, uh, you know, they're on campus with their stadium, so they have other university uh, athletic events that they have to book around. You get over to Winnipeg, they're part of the, uh, they own the, the Canadian Major Soccer League franchise, so they've got those dates to contend with. And then you don't have to go much further east than that. You get to Toronto where there's a very limited number of dates available to the Argos. So that impacts what the other eight teams in the league are uh, able to be squeezed into not only their schedule, but then you, then the, the, uh, the football guys get play in and say, uh, you know, we can't play all nine games on the same long weekend in Toronto. It's just not going to work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so there are all of those components that go into it. The the one thing I hear a lot from Eskimos fans, and and, I, and I've made no secret of the fact too, Alan. I, I mean, I, I have uh, I have seasons tickets since 1997, so I'll lump myself in there to to some extent. Mm-hmm. But I, but I do hear from a lot of Eskimos fans that they they don't like a lot of Thursday games. You you do have one Thursday home game. I know in the summer, uh, TSN wants that programming on a Thursday night. Is that a little bit? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll put it this way, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But is is it a little bit where you got to suck it up every year and take one or two home games on a Thursday, uh, and then hope you get the rest kind of more on a, on a day when you want them, or how does that work? Well, you've pretty much nailed it. You know, in in everybody uh, in any league, whether it's the National Hockey League or the Canadian Football League, but stick to stick to the Canadian Football League. You know, we would like to have none. Uh, One is better than two uh, because our fans have spoken. And you know, we're we we, we've got Toronto on that Thursday night back here on I think it's the 25th of July, and uh, you know it'll be hopefully a beautiful, warm summer night. So, but to your point. Uh, you, you can't uh, you, you can't you can't say no thanks <laughs> as much as you might try that. Everybody's uh, the, the the art to making a schedule is in any league uh, is to have most teams pretty happy and everybody a little bit unhappy about something. And so because that's that way, it, 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 uh, there's uh, there's a, there's there's not great pain for one team. There's a little bit for everybody and I, I don't mean to dwell on the negative here but we're we're we've got a thursday night uh our fans have spoken it's not the preferable date for us but we've got one and uh you know we'll try and provide some entertainment in and around that and some activities whether that's that might be two dollar beer and, or two dollar uh two dollar hot dogs and five dollar beer night you just never know all right, yeah, that's uh, and yeah, Thursday, July twenty fifth. You know, so it is, it is in the summer. There should be good weather on that night. Uh, it is an interesting run for you guys. Two home games to start the year, then an away game, a bye week, and two more home games before you back are back home for that Thursday uh, against Toronto. Then it's more kind of an even balance, one or two away home the uh, the rest of the way. And, and of course, esks.com and six thirty chet dot com for for more on the schedule. Exciting to see it today. I got to throw one more at you, Alan. Not about the schedule we, I think you and I should look back a, a little bit and we're in the last couple weeks of the of the year here where uh, on shows like this you often look back on the year I, I'm just still I, I was just so happy to be broadcasting from the Grey Cup Festival uh, I thought everybody did such a great job I thought the city looked great but the Eskimos looked great helping put that on and I just wanted your take from inside the Eskimos organization from a marketing chair uh, about what you saw from the Great Cup Festival? Well, it was just thumbs up everywhere. You know, the number of people that went to the Spirit of Edmonton breakfast, two 
breakfast over 2,000 people, the, the dinner that was held on Friday night with over 2,000 people, the number of people that took in the festival, the spirit of Edmonton being crowded from, I mean, they opened on Thursday. They'd never done that before. And over the last few days, and I could go on and on, you know, the zip lines and the bungee jump and, and all of the stuff that was part of the festival, the blocking off of a significant part of Jasper Avenue, um, you know, everybody in, in Edmonton was was really digging in and being a part of, of, of what what suddenly you know they I think they felt the momentum too said this is pretty good, and then people from out of the city did the same thing, and then people who are league uh, uh, representatives and work for other teams and and are members of other teams came here and went wow this is now this feels like something special. And then the game with 55,000 people, the halftime show, which I dare say was right up there with Super Bowl good in terms of the way it looked. I mean, I can't whistle one of her songs, but I certainly had to be impressed with the lights and the fireworks and all of the things that we did to make that, that, that halftime show really spectacular. So all of that uh, has resulted in me being fortunate enough, and I know Len Rhodes and other members of our board, our chairman, Brad Sparrow, uh, even as recently as this afternoon, being when you're out in public and people are flagging you down saying, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed every minute. I liked the festival. I liked uh, what you did with downtown. So, you know, it's kudos to, uh, you know, <laughs> nobody can do this all by themselves, and you hope that the fans and people, citizens pitch in. I mean, we had a we had a volunteer uh, thing the other night that we said, well, maybe the people that volunteered should be thanked. Let's hope we get two or 300 of the people who volunteered to show up. They had 600 people show up. Wow. So I think it just, it's kind of gone like that all the way through. And I think uh, the commissioner's off. And the hats off to the festival committee. Hats off to the organizers, uh, organizers of that. Hats off to the league people who, uh, who you know, came in and really did a good job. You know, they, they're starting to get Grey Cup down to a science as well. So the darn thing was just good from top to bottom. And uh, uh, I'm not envious of what Calgary <laughs> has to try and replicate next year in Calgary, but I hope they can. Well said, Alan. Hey, great to have you on the show. Thanks for filling us in on some of the behind-the-scenes work with the schedule as well. Esks.com, 630Ched.com to get the full look at when and where the Eskimos are playing this season. Alan, appreciate it, man. Have a great Christmas. You too. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the summer. We've got the eight warm-weather summer games at Commonwealth Stadium between May and September the 20th, so I think we can really make hay with the schedule and have a good time at uh, at Commonwealth next year. Absolutely. That is Alan Watt checking in today, VP of Marketing and Communications for your Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, because of the way it breaks down in the league, every year you play two teams in your division three times each for the uh, second year in a row. The Eskimos will play the BC Lions thrice, and uh, now the rotation comes up that the Eskimos play Calgary three times. They'll go to Calgary on August 3rd, and then for Labor Day, September 2nd, Labor Day rematch will be Saturday, September 7th at Commonwealth Stadium. One thing, I'm going to be a little bit of a uh, complainer here. Other than the traditional Labor Day home-and-home, I'm not a big fan of of home-and-homes in the CFL in such a small league, and they finish the season with a home-and-home against Saskatchewan. That's kind of odd. I could have done without that, but uh, other than that, uh, not too much. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Any short weeks, and like Alan said, going to be a lot of games in good weather. We're back with Oilers prospect, World Junior Team Canada defenseman Evan Bouchard on Inside Sports. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down-home Southern comfort food to Edmonton, along with other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. He is a standout defenseman with the OHL's London Knights. He is an Edmonton Oilers draft pick, and he will represent Canada at the upcoming World Junior Tournament, Evan Bouchard. Evan, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing very well. Great to have you on the show. I know this is an exciting time for you as you ramp up for the World Juniors. Just tell me a little bit about what camp has has been like. Uh, I mean, it obviously goes through uh, pretty quick with the whole process of uh, making the team and now having some pre-tournament games. Uh, what, what's is it? Is it kind of a whirlwind? Every day is a new adventure, or how would you describe it? Yeah, exactly. Every day is kind of a new adventure. Um, it's an unbelievable experience getting to. Uh, know go to camp go to triads and uh you know make the team and now getting to learn every day from coaching staff getting to know the players from uh you know around the other leagues is uh pretty special well you're all obviously star players in the teams and leagues that you come from what's it like for guys finding roles on the team you know they may be asked to to do things or emphasize other areas than maybe what they excel at when they're playing on their major junior teams how how do you find that process just maybe for yourself and seeing other guys try to find find perhaps new roles as well yeah i think it'll be a little tough for some people Uh, like you said most guys here start on the team so i think uh you know, whatever role you're handed to, I think you should have to embrace it and, uh, you know, really, really strive to be the best you can at uh, doing that job and really have to buy into uh, what your role is. And I think uh, if everyone does that, you know, quickly and uh, embraces it, everything will go good. Evan, it's, it's such a quick camp and then let's face it, it's a relatively short tournament. I mean, it's the exact opposite of what you've been doing most of your hockey career, playing uh, dozens, you know, games, playing 60, 70 games a year. How do you how do you build chemistry? How do you build that sense of team in such a short time? Are you experiencing that a little bit? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I think a, a lot of it is, uh, you know, bonding with your teammates outside of the outside of the rink, whether it's at the hotel, out doing things. I think that's, uh, that's important. But everyone here is uh, you know, really talented. Everyone knows where to be on the ice. So I think uh, you know, with, with that, it makes, it makes it easier for the players. Evan Bouchard joining us on Inside Sports, defenseman for Canada at the World Juniors and, of course, a first-round draft pick for the Oilers, 10th overall this past summer in, uh, in Dallas. Hey, look, for, for you... Is this how do you classify being able to play a World Junior tournament in Canada? I, I you know, I, I got to know you a little bit over the last few months, Evan. I, I know you're a, a pretty focused, low key guy, but there's got to be that sense of you got to soak this in because you're not just on Team Canada; you get to play a tournament to, at home. 
Yeah, just being a part of the tournament unbelievable. And then have it at home on top of that, it's uh, you know something that doesn't happen too often. So being able to uh, be a part of uh, World Juniors at home is uh, going to be unbelievable. Have, have you felt any of that pressure that can come from, from guys like me in the media and from the fans? Because, say, you know what it's like for hockey in Canada. It's Sometimes it's gold or nothing, right? Do you, has that uh, has that hit you at all yet? Um, a little bit, not too much. I think everyone here is really, really just trying to focus uh, day by day and taking it you know, day by day and stay away from uh, you know all the distractions in the media and stuff like that. So I think we're doing a good job at... Uh, you know, not paying too much attention to it and just trying to just trying to play hockey and enjoy ourselves here. Evan, obviously, you started with the Oilers. We got to see you play here. You scored a goal in the NHL. Uh, back with London, you're you're well over a point a game. The team is uh, incredible. I think you've only lost five regulation games <laughs> all year. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask you the simple question before I get into some more details. Why are the Knights so good? Like, you, I think your goal <laughs> differential is plus 55 in 31 games. Yeah. What's going on there? <laughs> Um, I think uh, after last year, after, uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a rebuild, yeah, I think we really uh, came together, coaching staff, management did an unbelievable job in, uh, you know, getting the right players for the team. And this year, I think everyone's buying into the system. Everyone's listening to the coaching staff. They obviously know what they're talking about, being, uh, you know, playing in the NHL, coaching in the NHL. So they know what, uh, what they're talking about. So I think uh, with the players we have, with everyone, um, playing together as a team, that's, that's definitely something that's, uh, that's helping us. You know, Scott Housen from the Oilers was uh, on with Bob Stoffer yesterday on Oilers Now, and they talked about you a little bit, and, and Scott said for you, they, they, they remind you to, to keep playing with, with pace, to make sure you're always going back hard to get the puck, moving it quick up ice. Has that been a focus for you, and how do you make sure that, that that's always top of mind once you get into the, you know, into the heat of game action? Yeah, it's definitely uh, on my mind. Um, you know, they, they really harped on that. So I think uh, for me, it's just, um, you know, doing it a few times, getting it part of my game. I think once it's part of the game, it's kind of just a habit. So I think, uh, you know, whether it's in practice, really focusing on it. And then come game time, it'll, it'll just be a habit for me. Evan Bouchard joining us on Inside Sports. Evan, we're just going to switch gears a little bit here. Maybe talk about this a little bit more from uh, the, the time of year angle, the, the Christmas type angle. During the holidays, loved ones are in our hearts, no matter where they are. I know this is a, a thrill for you to be on the World Juniors, but have you ever spent, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, obviously Boxing Day into the tournament, have you ever spent that, that time of year away from your family before? No, this is uh, actually going to be the first time, but uh, like you said, it's for good reason. Or is anybody coming out to, to watch you play? Will you will you still get any family time during the tournament? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to get some family time. Um, but it's, uh, you know, some families coming down on Christmas Day, I think we'll have uh, a little bit of time for that. And, uh, you know, We'll get to see him after the after the games, but uh, I think there will be a, a little bit of family time. But I think the main focus is uh, obviously winning a gold here. Was this a tournament you you would have watched with you know friends, family during the Christmas season when you were back home? Yeah, big time. This is uh, something that uh, I've watched for years now with. Uh, friends, family, wherever we were, the game is always on, so it's definitely something I've watched over the years. Well, and I figured, Evan, you, you have the one of the best excuses possible for why you didn't get your Christmas shopping done, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's one thing. That's one thing. 
<laughs> All right. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I know we'll talk again throughout the season, but of course, all the best at the World Juniors. You're going to do a great job representing Canada, and of course, we'll see you in Edmonton at some point down the road, too. Thanks a lot, Evan. Thank you very much. For those who can't make it home this holiday season, our thoughts are with you. Merry Christmas from 630 Chad. Listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL. Late in the third period, Boston up 3-1 on Anaheim. Leafs taking it to the Panthers. It's now 6-1. Flyers trying to hang on against the Predators up 2-1, and the Penguins also leading the Wild 2-1 with a couple of minutes left. Wings trying to close out the Hurricanes. It's 3-1 Detroit. 2:20 left in Columbus leading the Devils. 2-1 after the first. Chicago with a 2-0 edge on the Stars. 13 minutes into the game in Calgary, it is already 3-1 for the Flames, leading the Lightning. No score first period. Canadians and Coyotes. Three more games still to come tonight. Your Edmonton Oilers will play Tampa Bay on Saturday. We have it on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 6.30, and the puck will drop at 8. Game 2 of the Oilers' 5-game homestand and their final game before Christmas. They will not have Jujar Caro. That'll be game one of his two-game suspension. At practice today, Jesse Pugliarvi on a line with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You can get more on that on 630ched.com. Also get the full details for the Eskimos schedule. My name is Reed Wilkins, Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Uh, this Gasparilla Bowl, I, I, I feel like I don't know what Gasparilla, it, it sounds to me like it's root beer that gives you gas. That's what Gasparilla makes me think of. Why would they name a bowl after that? Kellen is speechless. Uh, it's 21-7, Marshall over South Florida, for those of you tracking that at home, late in the uh, first half. For those of you tracking at home, in other words, nobody. Somebody's interested in the Gasparilla Bowl in Edmonton. Somebody's got 50 bucks on it. Uh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give away $50 GC to Booster Juice. Yeah, let's do that. Caller number five. Sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Great stocking stuffer. You can pick it up tomorrow. Have a couple of special guests in studio, uh, as we're going to talk some changes this year at the uh, novice hockey level. That has been a big talking point, I think, for a lot of people. Dylan Thomas is in studio, president of the Northeast Zone Eagles. Dylan, good to see you. Nice to be here. And Mark Dickow is here as well, head coach of the uh, North Sierra Novice Four team. You bet. Uh, uh, the Wolverines. The Wolverines. Oh, great name. <laughs> great name. Uh, all right. Thanks for coming in, guys. Uh, we, we've been hoping to get the, a couple of uh, experts on novice hockey in the studio for a while to talk about this. Because the first change for this year is half everybody in the province at the novice level, sorry, the minor novice level, is playing half ice, and the next year it'll be everybody. That's correct. Okay. Dylan, I'll start with you. Uh, let's let's start with the basic question. Why, why this change? I think uh, they thought it would be much better for development. A lot of research has been done out there. Uh, kids are getting to touch the puck more. They're seeing more ice time. Um, the benefits are way outweighing the, 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 the uh, cons for sure. And uh, so far, it's, it's looking like it's, uh, it's working out quite well. So, Mark, you're a coach. Um, the differences in, in coaching a half-ice game. Are, are, are there many, or is this the kids just rolling out there and having a blast no matter what? 
Well, I think the kids have fun regardless. I, I mean, that's the primary purpose. Like I feel as a coach in novices, number one is that they have fun. If they don't have fun, they're not going to come back to the rink and, you know, they're not going to progress in any stature then, right? So, um Besides that, coaching-wise, I mean, the practices are a lot different. You're dealing with seven-year-old kids, so they typically, uh, if you're trying to run one drill with 17 kids all at once, it's, uh, we like to call it herding cats. So, uh, you know, when we get into the half ice, um, we tend to split into three groups in practices, and it really helps, again, to, like Dylan said, develop the, develop the players because um, we can spend a lot of time individually with them. You know, groups of five, six are manageable groups of 17 are a little difficult at seven years old all right so it, it's a half ice game dylan what what other what other changes or you know if somebody just just watches the nhl and then they wanted to check out a novice game what else would they notice that's that's different probably the biggest thing would be the blue puck okay so the pucks are lighter okay um they also don't slide quite as quick as uh, as a typical puck uh, I know a lot of parents thought, well, that was kind of weird off the start, but uh, once again, it, it slows the game down a little bit and it helps for development as well. Um, puck, kids can raise the puck a little bit easier, so that's uh, every kid's always wanted to raise the puck, and so that helps out as well. So that's one of the biggest things that they'll notice. Uh, other than that, uh, it is a half game, um, a half ice game, and you got two games going on, one on one side of the ice and the other on the other side of the ice. So other than that, it, it, it looks like regular hockey. It, it is four on four, though? It is four on four, that's it, it is it is it is four on four okay uh which is so are you are you finding more kids are 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 touching the puck more does this allow more kids to be more consistently involved in the game for lack of a better term yeah i'd say for sure you definitely see that the that the kids get more touches and you know there's been some some studies and some stuff that came out of the states actually they did uh you know the same kind of thing as they would with Corsi in the NHL, and they had a whole bunch of players go out and they played a, a full ice game and a half ice game, and they tracked and looked at how many touches and how many passes and how many shots that they had. And when you move to a half ice setting, um, pretty much every aspect of hockey doubles, and and you also move away from the fact. <clears throat> of you know like typically on a team you'll have you know two or three stronger players when you're playing full ice uh you tend to see those two or three stronger players from each team just skate up and down the ice meanwhile the rest of the team is kind of stagnant mm-hmm. um so it, it it takes that away from the game and uh it brings everybody into a tighter space and and you start seeing more of the the natural aspects of hockey that you see in in higher level right so, so. when you take your wolverines to a rink to play a game though are, are you are they actually playing two games at once is that how it works yeah so the half ice basically i i have a roster um we have to rotate the goalies as well so the goalies are uh, mandated they're only allowed to play 30 percent of the year so we rotate the goalies i create two separate rosters so um we'll play half of their team on one side of the ice half their the the team on the other side of the ice and then what we do is we play i believe it's a 25 minute game and then we'll switch one of the teams will switch okay um so that we see so the opponent we see, we see the yeah. whole team, yeah. Okay. So, and this is this is all brand new for this season. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, uh, Dylan, I'm going to throw this at you with with your wearing your hat as the president of the Northeast Zone Eagles. I'm guessing you probably got. Well, this isn't traditional hockey. How are they going to learn? This isn't what the NHL does. Probably at some point you got got a little bit of that. So what what what's what's the reason? And I mean, look, hey, they're they're 
kids, right? Yep. So what, what's what's the response to the parent or the dad who's saying, well, but you never know where the, the 0.001% of the kids on these teams are going to make the NHL and we got to start getting them ready now. Well, I, I think the good thing is, and, and yes, there were a lot of questions to start off with, and uh, Hockey Edmonton, as well as most of the areas, did a very good job of, of educating their parents, uh, which made the transition quite a bit easier. For parents that have had older kids that have gone through the program, it does look a little different for them, and, and they had a lot of questions at start, uh, but, but it seems to, uh, we haven't had any parents really complaining about it, so uh, it, it does look different. Uh, kids seem to be enjoying it, and, and I think we'll really see the, the benefits two or three years from now. Right. Well, so. change is always the hardest part of, of, of the change itself. Absolutely. Mark, I, I mean, is there even a thing, uh, an angle here with... I mean, the half ice, you know, you said doubles everything, so, uh, or, or I guess maybe it can have things too because a 40 foot pass might be a 20 foot pass. I mean, is there even a, a fatigue factor here? The kids that might still be learning to skate a little bit, I mean, they can get from point A to B a little bit better, so it might just lower that frustration and fatigue level too? Uh, Yes and no. You know, like when the kids are out there, they're they're working hard. Like after every game, I go in there and I'm thinking, what smells worse, my men's league locker room or this <laughs> locker room? So, uh, you know, they're they're definitely definitely working really hard out there. And, um, you know, from a standpoint, like one of the comparisons I always make is is you watch the Oilers and when they go out to warm up, they throw out you know a hundred pucks out on the ice, and you see you know guys like McDavid or Drysaddle. What are they doing? They're sitting there deking in and out of the pucks, right? That's exactly what the novice setting now is trying to promote is that small space that you know that idea of like moving in tight areas and you know by doing that uh, it engages all the players and like Dylan alluded to is is that you know some of the better players have to work a little bit harder because it's right. not that idea of just take the puck and rip down the ice and score right? well this is interesting to me guys and look I always I always say on this show you know I, I don't have kids so I'm pretty removed from <laughs> from, from for minor hockey, but we do a couple of uh, segments a year where we'll we'll talk about some angle to it. And I know that a concern I get sometimes is participation levels. Parents worried about injuries, and like you guys have touched on, parents worried about well, there's already a kid in this age group who's so much better. He's going to have 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 the puck the whole game. So is that Dylan? What you're hoping? You know, long term, this is going to keep more kids involved, ma- make the game more for the I mean, the stars are always going to rise and find the traveling teams and the major junior teams and all that stuff. Is, is this a move more for the everyday type of player? I, I think so, but also, too, I think as Mark alluded to, the first and foremost, we have to have fun at what we're doing. And, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of times when you have the best players that are always touching the puck, you get it to a point where a lot of players on the team, they don't really want to even be involved because they're not touching the puck right. so as we to- as we spoke it's harder for those better players to get around all the other players so it it, it kind of brings the game a little tighter uh, makes it a little bit closer uh, and and hopefully it does keep more players involved all right we're talking about some uh, changes this season to novice hockey dylan thompson president of the northeast zone eagles is in studio along with mark dickow he's the head coach of the north sierra wolverines i'm saying that name every time because i love wolverine the character I find this really interesting uh, with, with the half-ice hockey, and it sounds great. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm not sure how I feel about the topic we're going to get to after the break, and that's uh, not keeping score. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. Appreciate you tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 6:30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Two special guests in studio. A really interesting topic, and I'm sure this might relate to you as a parent or somebody you know with kids playing minor hockey, playing novice. The change this year to half ice hockey. So we've been talking about that with Dylan Thomas from the Northeast Zone Eagles. He's the president and the coach of the North Sierra Wolverines. Mark Dickow is here as well. So. I, I love how you explain that. I love how you explain that the increased touches for kids and the different puck and all, and all that kind of stuff and and uh, the the ice time with the two games going on at once. So that's great stuff with the half ice. Now also, though, I, I asked you earlier, Dylan, if somebody walked in that hadn't seen a novice game in a while, they might also notice that the scoreboard is has blanks Blank, and zeros. Yeah, absolutely. It has the time going, I guess. Yeah. And, and, of course, you've got two games going on, so you couldn't really have the score so you wouldn't for know either anyway. one. Uh, and, yes, in novice this year, for the we are not keeping score for the minors. Uh, we do keep score for the majors, which is the second-year players. Uh, they're being transitioned. Uh, this is a transition year for them. Next year, nobody would be playing full ice and keeping score. Um, I was kind of skeptic to start off with because I think keeping score gives you a little bit of a, a gauge. Um, but it's actually worked out quite well, and I think the parents and the kids that really want the score, they know what the score of the game is. The other kids don't really care. So um, it, 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 it can make things a little bit of a challenge, not keeping score, but uh, it also takes away that seriousness of the game. You know, Mark, i, I got to ask you that because you're on the bench. I mean, maybe it's not all the kids on your team, but I know there's kids on your team that know the score, probably have the scoring summary in their head, so why not just have an actual scoring summary and something on the scoreboard? Well, I think, again, it's going back to the focus, right? And, um, you know, I agree with your statement that there is kids that do know the score. You know, like, uh, oftentimes I'll be on the bench and one of my players will come in and they'll be like, oh, we need to score another two goals because it's 6-4. And I'm like, how do you know that? Because I don't know that. And they basically give me a rundown, like you said, of, well, Toby scored two and Abby scored one and I've scored one and therefore. <laughs> and so they, they know what the deal is. But, I, you know, on, on our team, we try and focus on the things that they're doing well, not not just the goals. I mean, the nicest play that I've seen this year on our team was not a goal. It was a, a backhand sauce pass by a seven-year-old to a guy right in the slot. And when I saw that, that's when I was, that's when I was most proud of what we were doing, right? It, it's not the, the, the goals, right? And, you know, like Dylan had alluded to, the, the, kids, the kids and parents that want to know, they, they keep track themselves. So is there anything uh, competition-wise? Like, is there, gonna, is there a year-end tournament for teams who want to 
enter or there there are some tournaments okay. different tournaments around town uh, as a matter of fact the eagles have their tournament at the end of the year and we will have a minor and a major uh, novice and the minor games will be scored they will not be scored they still will not be it scored. will be okay. more held like a jamboree okay where you're just going to have your three scheduled games and you're going to play three different teams I gotcha. no scores are kept nothing like that. minor hockey week will be doing the same thing is more going to be like a jan- uh, jamboree than then if you win you go this way if you lose this way um so that'll be more set uh so uh it, it will be a little bit different there um but uh, uh we'll see wh- wh- when we get to that okay so you guys know the argument orange slices at halftime participation ribbons uh kids have to learn they're not all equal at a young age mark i'll start with you how do you how do you respond to that yeah, I mean, there's a time to be, like, positive and, and be like, okay, we're doing things well. And there's also a time to just, you know, say it like it is. And uh, and you can do that with seven-year-old kids, too. You just have to go about it the right way, uh, again, so that they're still having fun and coming back to the rink. But, um, y- you know, it's as a coach with younger kids, you just have to, again, phrase it differently. Right. And, and point out what you're doing well and you know like one of the coaching aspects i learned is point out three good things that they did for every one thing that they need to work on right so you don't think so seeing whether they won or lost seven one to you at the next day's practice doesn't have any value uh it does and and you know to the to the kids um they know right Right, like again it goes back to the fact that they know that they got to work harder Right, or they got to go out the next shift and and you know put a little bit more oomph into their shots or skating or whatever the case may be, and so again, w- we take what we see in the game and the weak spots that we see in the game, and that becomes our focus in practice. So you know one of the problems I had at the beginning of the season was they're all throwing the puck right up the middle, and I'm like, okay, this is not going to end well, and uh, <laughs> we, we didn't do very great that game but it was a matter of the next practice bringing out a bingo dabber painting the ice out this is the danger zone we don't want to do this from that point on it's been great right so it's again it's you're dealing with seven-year-old kids right so so they're aware that that was leading to other team getting scoring chances whether it's displayed on a stat sheet or not yeah so you think that's the you think you can still i don't want to put words in your mouth but you think you can still get the messages across without saying this is the this is why we won or lost yeah, I mean, you, you can you can definitely get it. Like in, going back to that game, that was the reason we lost. Was that that single reason, or I shouldn't say that we lost, that we didn't do as well as we could have, right. right? So they know that even that the, the goals aren't clicking up on the board. Yeah, and again, with the age bracket, you have to be very careful because the cognitive ability of those kids is very different, right? I'm very fortunate on my team that when I explain something, my whole team gets it. That's not always the case when you're dealing with kids at that age. Okay, so uh, so next year, no novice games will be s- scored. And no full ice. And no full ice. And this, so then when they go to Adam, that's when the scoring and the full ice will start? Yeah, and that might be a little bit of a transition for some of those players, and we're not going to see that for a couple of years, how that works. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of studies out there that some kids that are 6 and 7 don't have the ability to figure out the offsides, uh, right. you know, on, and all those things. So they're going to have to figure that out in, in Adam instead of novice now. Um, and, and they'll have lots of, lots of time to play those games that type of way too, right? So, uh, again, it's taking some of the seriousness away and the win-win-win uh, uh, mythology out there. So I, th- I think it's a good thing, and it's just going to take some time. Right on. Dylan, thanks for coming in. All the best with Northeast Zone. Thank you. And, Mark, I'll be keeping an eye on the Wolverines now. I wish we had more time, but thanks for your insight in explaining these changes and, and the value of them. It's great to 
get that perspective from guys like you who are involved. I really appreciate you coming in. It's great to be here. Right on. Thank you. All right. That is Dylan Thomas, Mark Dickow. Interesting conversation about some changes in novice hockey in Alberta. Thanks to all our guests tonight. Besides these two gentlemen, Evan Bouchard, Alan Watt, and Jay Onright were on the show. The producer is Dave Campbell. The studio producer is Kellen Kennedy. Oilers will be back at practice tomorrow. I will have another edition of Inside Sports from 6 to 8. During the holidays, loved ones are in our hearts, no matter where they are. Here's Edmonton Oilers forward Toby Reeder. Toby, you're from Germany. So what happens over Christmas? Must be tough for the entire family to get together. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, me and my girlfriend, uh, we're going to spend Christmas with uh, her parents. Uh, usually the last couple of years, uh, my parents always made the trip uh, over to North America to, uh, to uh, spend Christmas with me, but uh, this year didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always something different every year. And I guess with the hockey lifestyle... You, you're at the mercy of, of the schedule and, and people's travel plans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you're happy when you get a t- couple of days off and uh, you know having some uh, some some nice dinners and it's nice to have uh, you know your family here. But uh, you know, a lot of times it doesn't work out. So yeah, yeah, you gotta hang out with somebody else. For those who can't make it home this holiday season, our thoughts are with you. Merry Christmas from 6:30 Chad. Only in my dreams. 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6:30 Chad.